Welcome to the Women in Diplomacy podcast. I'm your host, Kelsey Sumnicht. This episode is part of our special series focusing on the women of NATO. Now, we get to speak with Jacqueline Dow, Executive Officer from NATO Political Affairs. She's a Jane of all trades, supporting many teams and many different functions as NATO prepares to meet for their Warsaw Summit later this week on July 8th and 9th. So it's fascinating to hear from Jackie about the international topics she feels needs more research right now. And additionally, she confides in us about what she looks for when she's interviewing for new candidates to join a team at NATO. I want to hear your thoughts. Join the conversation with hashtag women of NATO and follow along for all the action at the Foreign Policy Project. And of course, follow at NATO and at NATO Press to keep up with breaking news from the Warsaw Summit. Welcome to the Women in Diplomacy podcast. Thanks for joining me. Thank you. Can you tell us about your role, your job, and your work? What does a typical day at NATO look like? (laughs) Um, It sounds a bit corny, but there is no typical day for me. Um, I work in the Political Affairs Security Policy Division. I'm the executive officer, and I also have um, a team of people of about six who who I lead. what do I do? I help manage the division, which is about 70 people altogether, apart from having my own section. So I work directly to the Assistant Secretary General for Political Affairs and Security Policy. So I'm the focal point for the recruitment, most of the hiring, um, updating the job descriptions, uh, interviewing people, working out what kind of person we're looking for, that kind of thing. I also do a lot of um, ad hoc tasks, shall we say. I'm the primary interface with the private office of the secretary general make sure that people work um, do what's expected of them in the manner that's expected I mean make sure that we do our papers on time that the ensure that the product is of good quality ensure that we meet our deadlines um, I also do as I say I do standalone ad hoc projects I do a bit of writing for the ASG occasionally I am the focal point for the 1325 file um, which has been a lot more substantive in the past than it is now that we have a fully functioning um, special representatives office which is manned so I was I helped a lot in the um, development of the policy and the implementation plan about three or four years ago Um, what else do I do Um, I right now in the run-up for the Warsaw summit I'll be helping with the communique drafting process for Warsaw which is, you know, the communique is the principal public document that comes out after the meetings of heads of state and government, and it's a negotiated product at uh, 28. So I'll be sitting in a lot of meetings over the next couple of weeks until late in the night, uh, helping to record the consensus the, when it when it's achieved and making sure that the uh, end result is a is a readable document that 28 nations have signed up to and that then goes public. So I wouldn't say there's an there's a a routine day for me. Each day is a little bit different. There's an awful lot of person of, of, of management in what I do. Um, I have to deal with a lot of uh, personnel, not problems, but personnel issues. Um, and I, as I say, I also lead a team of about six people who uh, do a lot of um, committee work. The, the, the work of NATO, as you know, is done by committee, by uh, 28 nations reaching consensus on certain difficult issues. And everything at NATO is uh, works on consensus. And my team helps um, 
organize the meetings, staff the meetings, write the meetings up, that kind of thing. Um, also responsible for the budget in the division. So I have a budget officer. Yeah, lots of things like that. So I can't give you a typical day. Yes, it sounds like you are a jack of all trades or, or a Jane of all trades, shall we say. Um, you have to be flexible. Let's put it like that. Particularly when you are hiring, when you are looking at building a team, are there any specific qualities that you look for? Well, of course, if you want to work in an organization like NATO, there are certain specific qualifications you have to have like you have to have a degree in a certain relevant subject and you have to normally have more than one degree you have to have a master's degree something like that certainly if, if you're talking about my own division the political affairs security policy division frankly what I look for when I interview um, the paper qualifications are very important because without those paper qualifications we don't consider you but then when I'm interviewing for a post I really think the most important thing if you've got those paper qualifications the most important thing is the is your personality, the way that you um, interface with other people, because everybody who works at NATO, uh, no man is an island, right? And nobody at NATO is works in isolation. You're part of a team, whether you like it or not. And I guess that's the same in every, every organization. So for me, when I'm interviewing, and I, I do an awful lot of interviews for my own division and for, and for other parts of the international staff, as I say, apart from the the paper qualifications, I'm looking for someone with the right personal qualities, someone who I know will be a, a team player, someone who I know can take on responsibilities, someone someone you can, you just know you're going to be able to work with. And I always think that's more important in some ways than the paper qualifications because you can train someone in um, international relations, you can train someone in conference organization, you can train someone in, I don't know, anything, but it's very difficult to remake somebody's personality. So honestly, you look, at least I, I put an awful lot of emphasis on, on the personality because the person has to fit into the team as well as having the technical qualifications for the team. Mm -hmm. Additionally, when you were describing your job, to me, it sounds like a lot of pressure. For example, in a policy case, to prepare one document that all 28 nations will agree on. Mm -hmm. What is the biggest challenge in your job? Well, it's not just me. As I said before, I'm part of a, of a team, so it's never... Uh, it is pressured. There's no doubt about it. It is very pressured. Um, you don't carry all that pressure alone, far from it. I think where you have to be... You have to have a good understanding of what this organization does. You have to have a good understanding of its priorities. You have to have a good understanding of the positions of the 28 different countries represented around the table, soon to be 29. Um, you need a basic political sense, I think. You also have to be, you have to be realistic that you can't always do everything and you have to be very organized. You have to be able to prioritize Um you need to be able to, actually a skill that I haven't touched on, you need to be able to draft quite well to work in this organization. I think you need to be able to write. If you can write things clearly and quickly, that's a tremendous help because often if you're drafting policy around a table, um, you have to take into account the different views that are, that are expressed and then either alter the piece of paper that's in front of you, the piece of text that's in front of you, or develop something else which will reflect the points that have been made and try and represent all those points. So do something... Yeah, you have to have good drafting skills and you have to have a political sense. Um, and you have to just don't panic as well. I mean, I often find 
yeah, you work under a lot of pressure, but sometimes that makes me slow down a little bit and just focus on what I'm doing and try not to get, you don't want flapping people around the place. You know, <laughs> you have to keep a cool head, even if, even if it's midnight and you're going to go through the fourth iteration of a, of a complicated document, you have to just get your head down and get through it. So can you tell us a little bit about your personal story? What drew you to working in international relations and also what drew you to working at NATO specifically? Well, you know, I've been here a very long time. I won't say how long, but when I started, I wasn't long out of university and the Cold War was certainly still on. It was a very different organisation when I started. When I went to university in the UK, I did um, languages with international relations and actually the international relations took over for me. I had a wonderful, wonderful professor and he was just magic. I, I just knew that, you know, that was for me that became uh, the most important part of my course. So I won't say I had a game plan for when I left university because I didn't. Um, I travelled around for a little bit. I took a job in the UK, in the UK civil service, and actually I fell into NATO headquarters almost by chance. Well, it was by chance. I just answered an ad. I mean, I didn't have a game. I didn't have a career plan. I came here as a quite a junior level as a as a minute writer. So you sit in on, uh, which sometimes can be very interesting meetings, but you sit in on meetings and you start at the very low level meetings actually, and you reproduce. You synthesize and reproduce and hopefully make reasonably interesting accounts of what goes on in these meetings. And when I came here, I thought I would just stay for about two or three years. And as I said, that was more years ago now than I care to remember. I, it's a very interesting organization to work in if you like international relations, um, which, which I do. If you, like to see the, if you like to see politics up close, if you like to see how um, different nations come together and forge consensus on difficult issues. If you like to see the political process up close, then it's the right organization to be in because it's actually quite a small organization. Um, so I just, my career such as it is has developed and I moved on from being a minute writer and saw lots of interesting things. And my job right now is very interesting and I hope um, I hope I stay a little bit longer and I hope I do other things before I leave. But it wasn't... It wasn't a considered career choice other than the fact that I thought it would be interesting to work in a political organisation and experience has shown me that I was right. It is very interesting to work in a political organisation. Especially when you're thinking about working at a political organisation, does that sometimes mean you have to separate personal views from professional ones on different issues? It hasn't been the case for me. I can imagine that in some instances it might be. I mean, you never, I presume wherever one works, um, sometimes your organisation is going to do something with which you might not 100% agree. I would think it would be very difficult to work for an organisation like NATO without believing in what the organisation does. So in that sense, I would find it difficult. Uh, I couldn't imag imagine someone here who, working here who, well, it's inconceivable to me that someone would apply for a job at an organisation who's very political raison d'etre they didn't agree with. I think, it, I, but I think that holds true no matter where you work. I th well, I would, I would have difficulty working in an organization that I had considerable difficulty in the way it was being run or in its fundamental ethos. I, I, I couldn't do that. I would find it difficult to imagine that anyone could. I agree. Yeah. So speaking of the different issues that arise, especially at NATO and in international relations in general, what topics do you feel right now that are ones that need more research and more help at this moment in time? 
Well, that's a good one. I don't know. It's not particularly a new topic, and I think it's one that probably is being researched quite a lot right now, and it's not necessarily one for this organisation, but I do think a lot of research should be done into radicalization and particularly radicalization of women um as i say i don't think that's necessarily something it's not the um the core of what nato does right now but internationally i think for for everybody's sake i think it would be very good if if more research perhaps than is actually going on was uh, to go on into why these young people and why we particularly see quite a lot of women in my own country, which is the UK, and also in the country in which I live, which is Belgium, what attracts them? Why are they going? I mean, obviously, we know some of the answers, but I'd like to have more um, more solidly based research. I think that would be a, a good one, but I don't think that's a new one. I don't think I'm coming up with anything original there. I think that's something that's being done, but I think it needs to be done more because I think the problem is quite acute. Mm-hmm. And when you say radicalization, you mean women joining terrorist causes yeah yeah i mean i'm talking about isis and uh, or daesh or whatever one wishes to call them why normal um let's say uk or belgian born girls of 17 or 18 go off and and think it's a great thing to go and follow this this man and go and and fight in the middle east i'm i yeah I think that's a is certainly a hot topic. It's not a, it's, what I'm saying is an original, but I I think we could do a lot more perhaps than we are doing to try and understand it and thereby try and prevent it. But I think that's a that's going to be a long time coming. You have to try and understand what well, you have to understand what's going on before you can deal with something. And I'm not quite sure that the level of understanding is what it should be. That's me speaking as as an individual. It's not something that I'm saying uh, NATO is involved in or should be involved in or could be involved in, but this is what I think needs to be done internationally. And so on that note, can you tell us a bit about your work with the UN Security Resolution 1325? Yeah, I guess NATO came to 1325 a bit late, perhaps, but I think um, we I got involved with the 1325 file about four years ago now so before Marriott's position was um, before Marriott Schurman's position was was um, established um, and I really I was I was the point of contact for 1325 within my division which as I said is political affairs security policy and so about four years ago when I first started doing it actually there were very few people working 1325 so I did quite a lot of the um of the bureaucratic stuff, the report writing, uh, re- writing reports to the United Nations, writing the Secretary General's public report on 1325, steering the um, the reports through the various committees that we have at NATO to approve these things. And then all of a sudden in 2012, um, at the Chicago summit, uh, NATO had a summit in Chicago in 2012, the 1325 file really took off. There was a concerted push by uh, a lot of allies to recognize the importance of the 1325 uh, resolutions and to um, not have an established post then, but we did have a Secretary General Special Representative who was a Norwegian national called Mari Skora. And for about six or seven months, Mari and I worked very closely together. It was before, as I say, there was an established post. There was, she didn't have any support. And she and I worked very hard the first um, four, five, six months that she was at headquarters in that capacity, revising our policy, revising the implementation plan, talking to civil society, getting these things approved at NATO. And then gradually my I stepped back as, as Mari got more people around her. And um, 
then she left two years ago when the post was actually established and Mariette Schoolman came in and uh, we've been very fortunate with Mariette and she has lots of people around her and good for her and it's actually, I mean, it's good for me because I can see the thing take off here at NATO. Bad for me in a sense because there are so many people uh, around Mariette now that I perhaps less, I do, I certainly do a lot less on the on the policy development side of it than I used to do. But it's so good to see... NATO as an international organization fulfilling its uh, 1325 commitments. So it's been an interesting process to follow. Yes, and I can imagine a satisfying one. Oh, very intensely satisfying. Yeah, because um, it's been a learning curve for quite a lot of people within the organization, I think, and to see how relevant it is to what we do externally, policy wise, what we do um, with our partners, shall we say, but also how how this place is run and how this place is managed and how this place is led and women's place in this organization i think it's it's changed remarkably and it's it's been very good to see the change at close hand what career advice would you give to young women interested in pursuing a career in international relations what are your words of wisdom to pass on go for it if you if you are enthused by it if you are passionate for it if you really want to do it don't do it because you think it's going to give you uh, a good CV or because you think it's a thing to do or because you're following someone else. I think you have to really, um, you have to love the political world and the way the way politics develops and the way nations survive one against each other. I think you have to do it because you like it. You shouldn't do it because uh, it's a box to tick or there's nothing else I could think of doing, so I'm going to do this. I think you have to have a passion for it. And if you do, I would just say, well, I guess um, what I would say to any 17 or 18-year-old, um, get the best qualifications you can in it, um, intern as much as you can, get as much outside uh, experience that you can you can bring to the table as they say when you go for a for a full-time job but I think I would say to anyone follow a career that you're really interested in that speaks to you um, because if you're not interested and you're just doing it as I say to tick a box and it will shine through very very quickly and as I said it comes down to to personality and to being able to fit into a team and do the right thing.